Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. My name is Paige, and I'm the host of Reverie True Crime. Reverie means to daydream, but even daydreams can turn into nightmares. Join me as I tell you haunting and horrific reveries about missing people and senseless murders. I also interview survivors and people seeking justice for themselves or a loved one. New episodes come out every Monday morning, and sometimes you'll get bonus episodes on Thursdays. Wherever you're listening to this current podcast right now, you can find Reverie True Crime. Australia, October 1992. A 12-year-old girl is enjoying her spring break from school. Unlike a lot of girls her age, she had an overseas pen pal. And in this era before instant messages, if she wanted to wish her pen pal a Merry Christmas with a Christmas card via the International Post, it had to happen now. So innocently... She left her home on this day to purchase the Christmas card, and she would return home, only to leave again, just ten minutes before her mother returned home, never to be seen again. What could entice Rihanna to leave the safety of her own home? Did she know her would-be suspected murderer? Or was the unknown perpetrator, the strange men in the white Tirana? These questions remain unanswered almost three decades later, leaving Rihanna's family and their small, peaceful town still desperate for justice. This is Rihanna's story. In October 1992, South Australia's attention was captured by devastating floods which swept through the Adelaide Hills and Plains. But as rescues and recoveries were underway, another more sinister story was unfolding in Adelaide's southern suburbs. Please come forward. I just want my daughter back. It's not the same at home. A 12-year-old schoolgirl would vanish from her home, never to be seen again. Paul arrived home at 10 past four in the afternoon. Uh, Rihanna wasn't here. Rihanna Ann Barrow was born to parents Leon and Paula Barrow in 1980. The family already had a boy, Shannon, born two years earlier. And Rihanna would be the perfect addition to the family. They were happy. Well, until they weren't. And like so many families, Leon and Paula would later split. It was an amicable split, though, with the pair still close, committed to raising Rihanna and Shannon together. 
Leon would move to the Gold Coast in Queensland for work in the late 1980s, while Paula would remain in the Adelaide southern suburb of Morfordville, South Australia, with the two children. The children would remain close to their father, calling him on most nights to tell them about their day and spending the school holidays with him in Queensland. Rihanna would even be the bridesmaid at Leon and his new wife Sandra's wedding in December 1991. October 1992 was spring break for the two Barreau children. Rihanna was in the sixth grade at Raynella South Primary School, and she was excited to join her brother in high school the following year. Rihanna would later be described by the school's principal as being a high-achieving student who could have went on to achieve anything in her life, that she greeted everyone with a wide and friendly smile, and she was close to her small group of friends. These school holidays would be different from the norm. Shannon joined his friends at a school camp, and not wanting to make the trip north without her brother, Rihanna decided to stay in South Australia with her mother. Some things leave you guessing. Like, why are yawns contagious? But not MailChimp. MailChimp eliminates guesswork from email marketing by analysing data from billions of emails to offer up personalised recommendations for how to improve your email content and targeting. Guess less and sell more with Intuit MailChimp. Wednesday, October 7th, 1992, was a work day for Paula, who taught at a technical college in Colonnades, She was listening to the morning news radio segment while getting ready to leave for work when she heard the bus drivers were having a snap strike that day. This frustrated Paula as she had plans to meet her daughter at the shopping centre that was adjacent to the college, with Rihanna taking the bus to meet her for lunch and to buy her American pen pal a Christmas card. Paula walked into Rihanna's room to break the bad news to her daughter to find her dancing around to her favourite song, Love Shack by the B-52s. Shh, I'm listening, Rihanna told her mother. Rihanna would beg her mother to allow her to still buy the card that day as time was running out to ensure that the Christmas card would get to her pen pal on time. Paula suggested that she walk to the nearby Raynella shopping centre instead. Paula would give Rihanna some money with a hug and a kiss before leaving the home at 8.30am to head for work. Rihanna walked out of the home at 47 Wakefield Avenue at 10.30am. She would make the 15-minute walk to the Raynella shopping centre, which is now known as a Southgate shopping centre. She would stay there for about an hour and a half, looking around the small shopping centre with the receipt from the news agency showing her buying the Christmas card at 11.19am. Rihanna would next be seen walking through the Morfitt Vale High School and the Stanvac Primary School between 12 and 12.30pm, 12 
This was not unusual. Rihanna would often take this shortcut to her home from the shopping centre. She was seen swinging a small bag that is thought to be the Christmas card. Now we know that Rihanna made it home. We know because the Christmas card would later be found on the dining room table. But for some reason, Rihanna would again leave the home. She would leave the home only 10 minutes before Paula returned home. There would be numerous sightings of Rihanna at 4pm, at the intersection of David Terrace and Acre Avenue, which is only 500 metres or a six-minute walk from her home. This would be the last confirmed sighting of Rihanna. The Christmas card in the newsagent's bag was sitting in the centre of the dining room table here and um, that's basically the last we've heard of her. It's frightening. I mean, she was an innocent 12-year-old girl. Um, We've seen her walking down the street and that at times with her friends, with her mother. She was just an average 12-year-old girl. Well, I would really like to uh, have a policeman knock on our door tomorrow morning and say that, you know, here's a little girl back in one piece, but um, the reality of that, I think, as everybody knows, is fairly insignificant. Paula arrived home at approximately ten past four and she unlocked the front door. Inside, the TV was on and a record was carelessly tossed on the living room floor. The Christmas card was on the dining room table. It has been reported that other items were left out of place, but it has not been specified what these items were. None of Rihanna's belongings were missing and there was no sign of a struggle. Paula searched inside and outside of the home, but there was no sign of her daughter. She knocked on the door of her neighbours' homes, but they had not heard or saw anything either. Paula tried to convince herself that Rihanna had went to visit her friend and time had gotten away from her, something that would have been out of character for the responsible and trustworthy 12-year-old. And to that fact, Paula could not let go that something must have been wrong. She would contact the police at 6pm to report Rihanna missing, before contacting her ex-husband Leon, who would get on the next flight with his wife Sandra to the small town to join in the search for Rihanna. Police would immediately descend onto the area, going door-to-door questioning neighbours extensively. Widespread and thorough searches of the nearby gorge, as well as rubbish dumps and bushland, would occur daily for the next two weeks. By November 25th, police had received upwards of 1,600 calls, and on one particular day, 140 tips came through their hotline, all claiming to have seen Rihanna. Unfortunately, a lot of police time was wasted on false leads and hoaxes. One tip had Rihanna being held hostage in the apartments on Anzac Avenue in Coralta Park, a mere 20-minute drive from Rihanna's home in Morpetvale. Police would raid the building, but there was no sign of the young girl. Head of the investigation, Detective Alan Arthur, would plead for information from the public. Quote, Without their assistance, this case will flounder, and it may well become another Beaumont mystery, Adelaide Oval abduction mystery, that we may never solve. 
Rihanna's best friend, would be used to stage a reenactment to assist in jogging people's memories. Seeing this reenactment online and hearing her best friend speak about missing Rihanna is heartbreaking to say the least. A mannequin, along with missing persons posters, was placed in front of the shopping centre Rihanna attended that day, as well as the shopping centre she was supposed to be at with her mother. Numerous tips would come in regarding other girls being approached in the area. Not only in the area, but the same intersection where Rihanna was last seen. A 13-year-old girl as well as several women were reportedly followed by the same car and the same person. A man with blonde hair, driving a white two-door Holden Tirana SLR 5000 with Victorian licence plates and that a neighbour would come forward to state her husband saw the same car parked in Wakefield Avenue on and off in the days prior to the abduction and wasn't seen afterwards. A next-door neighbour of the Burroughs, he reported seeing Rihanna at the shopping centre that day while sitting out front of the deli. He remembered seeing the Tirana with, quote, suspicious people inside, unquote, even a $100,000 reward and a police appeal for the driver to come forward, it did not bring forward answers for Rihanna's family and the police. More than a month after Rihanna's disappearance, an unusual development was leaked to the local newspaper, The Advertiser. A man found a set of keys on Highway Drive, just a few hundred metres from Rihanna's home, and it matched the description of the keys Rihanna was thought to have with her when she went missing. The man called the police from a payphone across the road, but said when he returned to the location, the keys were gone. This man would tell the police he only returned to the location in the first instance because his, quote, Conscience was bothering him, unquote. Because on the afternoon Rihanna went missing, he had seen a girl matching Rihanna's description near a white Tirana in the same location. There, three young girls aged between 9 and 13 were kidnapped from their homes, all without a trace. While two, Sharon Rules and Nicola Linus, were returned to the families within days, Carmen Chan's body was found by police months later. The interstate licence plates even sparked suggestions of a tie to an unidentified Victorian perpetrator, nicknamed Mr Cruel. Mr Cruel abducted and sexually assaulted at least three young girls between 1987 and 1991. All were targeted during school vacation from their homes, and all were similar age to Rihanna. 10-year-old Sharon Wills and 13-year-old Nicola Linus were both abducted from their homes in Melbourne, Victoria and held at secret locations where they were molested. They would be later released. Mr Cruel's last confirmed victim would not be so lucky. In 1991, 13-year-old Carmen Chan was abducted from her home in front of her siblings, She would later be found murdered four months later. 
There has never been an official connection made between the Mr. Krull cases and Rihanna Barrow, but none of these cases have ever been solved. Still no solid leads could be found. A press conference was held in December 1992, where the reward was announced, and Leon and Paula both pled to the abductor to return their daughter. Even though by this early stage, everyone in the investigation believed Rihanna was murdered shortly after her abduction. Leon would say, quote, I would really like to have a policeman knock on our door tomorrow morning and say that, here is your little girl back in one piece. But the reality of that, I think, as everyone knows, is fairly insignificant, unquote. As for recent years, the updates have been few and far between. An article in 2012 outlined that Rihanna's family were contacted by the major crimes detectives on who they think may have taken her. And as of 2015, it was announced that detectives were investigating at least one person who knew Rihanna but was not related to her. Paula supports this theory, stating she always believed that Rihanna knew her abductor, that she would have not gotten into the car with a stranger without putting up a fight. There was one report of a neighbour hearing a young girl scream on the afternoon of the disappearance. However, it's never been confirmed if this was related to Rihanna. And as of 2021, there is a reward of up to $1 million, an immunity from prosecution for information leading to the apprehension of the killer or the location of Rihanna's remains. The South Australian government has offered this same reward amount for a series of other unsolved child murders occurring since the 1960s to the 2000s. South Australia Operation Persist, which investigates cold cases, is in charge of the suspected murder of Rihanna Barrow. This team has had some other big breakthroughs with other high-profile cases, such as the manslaughter of Robert Sebeckis and the alleged murder of Suzanne Pohl. With no physical evidence, Alan Arthur believes the case will only be solved if a new witness comes forward. It's never too late for someone who's been sitting on some information but just doesn't want to get involved with the police. Uh, You don't have to fear the police if you haven't done anything wrong. So I just would say that anyone that feels they've got something Even now, pick that phone up, please. Three decades later, when interviewed by The Advertiser, now former detective Alan Arthur stated if he knew anything about this case, he knew one thing. The same thing he felt since day one of the investigation. That without public information, this case would never be solved. Quote, My theory today is and has been since within weeks of the inquiry and certainly by the time I retired that I think her abductor, and I will say killer, lived closer than a lot of people think, 
unquote. Paula continued to live in the same house on Wakefield Avenue until Shannon finished high school and moved out on his own. The pain of not knowing was too painful for her to deal with on her own after that. Quote, I would say it's life's worst nightmare. It's waking up in the morning and walking past Rihanna's bedroom door and bursting into tears. It's opening the kitchen cupboard and seeing Rihanna's favourite cereal. It's smelling her presence. It's standing in the shower and howling. Unquote. At the time of her disappearance, Rihanna Barrow was 12 years old. Today, she would be 40 years old. She was 5 foot 1 or 158 centimetres tall and 90 pounds or 44 kilograms, with light brown hair and hazel eyes. She was last seen wearing a green T-shirt with the words hypercolour on the front, purple shorts, white socks and white Lynx brand sneakers with bright pink tongues. If you have any information on the abduction and suspected murder of Rihanna Barrow, please contact Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. There is currently a reward of up to $1 million, an immunity from prosecution for information leading to the apprehension of the killer or the location of Rihanna's remains. If you have your own thoughts about the case we discussed today or any case we talk about on this podcast, please search Stolen Lives Podcast on Facebook. Like our page to make sure you don't miss an episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter. Search lives underscore stolen and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. This episode has been researched, written, hosted and produced by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. Music is by Mayu.